Thanks for tuning in. The following audio is from Redemption Church, located in the heart of San Francisco, California. We are a multi-ethnic intergenerational church that exists to make disciples. For more information, visit www.redemptionsf.com. The reading of God's word is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Lord God, we thank you just for the opportunity to meet together. Though we are the church scattered, God, we're, we're still meeting together, uh, even virtually. Thank you for the opportunity to come to your word. And Father, I pray uh, that you would, by your word and by your spirit, do work in and through us. Lord, I pray that you would sharpen us. I pray that you would convict us. I pray, God, that you would challenge us. Lord, what a crazy season we find ourselves in, and yet you are still good. Help us to remember that, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would move me aside, that we may hear from you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Uh, Years ago, y'all, while I was in seminary, uh, I I was taking a world religions course and uh, our professor decided to take us on a field trip while in seminary. We went on on a field trip. Uh, He took us to a Hindu temple. And as we drove up to uh, these ornate gates, uh, picture big gold plated gates, picture this massive temple, this massive structure. It is magnificent. The doors uh, to the front of the temple, they are enormous. Uh, There's gold plated uh, 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 surfaces everywhere. And we walk into this temple. You should know that usually uh, you aren't allowed to go into a Hindu temple unless you're actually Hindu, but they made an exception for us. uh, And we were required to take off our shoes. And all of a sudden, these beautiful floors hit you and you see these altars all over the place, a large open space where people would gather uh, to worship and to pray. Uh, But there's these there's these um, uh, altars all over the place. And we begin to walk around and we begin to talk um, with the priest there and he Uh, began to tell us about uh, the Hindu religion. And one of the things he said, I will never forget it. He said, guess what? To be Indian is to be Hindu. It's just who we are. And in fact, he told us that if he were in the mall and he and it's happened to him multiple times and he had the 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 chance to run across a Hindu person that uh, or an Indian person that he didn't recognize, he would literally go up to them and he'd say, hey, uh, I'm so and so. I'm a part of the Hindu temple in town and I've never seen you before. Uh, when are you going to come to the temple? 
Imagine if we took that uh, method in San Francisco to say, hey, I don't know you. You don't know me. But when are you going to show up in church? Um, but he 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 said to to be Indian is to be Hindu. It is just who we are. And he he was making the case that it's your identity. It's who you are. So why why won't you come to the temple? In fact, he told us that many times uh, he'd have these conversations and people would feel challenged and they would actually come. And of course, there were others that would blow him off. But the point is, this is who we are. And today, as we look at our passage and begin to think biblically about politics, it's important, church, to remember who we are. It's important to remember our our God given identity. Here's my hope this morning that your identity in Christ would inform your politics, not the other way around. Are you hearing me this morning? The temptation is to think we are our politics. Uh, That couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. God has given you and I an identity, not Fox News and not CNN. God has given you and I an identity, not build back better or make America great again. Many of you have already cast your ballot, yet your identity can't rest within the voters booth. From the very beginning, uh, when my family came to San Francisco, um, when we came to this church, we began to dream about what it could look like to see a community, uh, the beloved community, a community of people gathered together uh, that would think, vote, and play differently. It's always been my dream uh, to see a church that is filled with people who lean conservatively politically and filled with people who lean liberal politically. And, and we together, we become this beautiful, diverse, beloved community. And the truth is, hear me, we need one another. As, as challenging as it could be at times uh, to, to walk in relationship with people with different ideologies, you and I, we need one another. We, we need uh, to forget our identity in everything else. And we need to to remember our identity is rooted in God. So the Apostle Peter, he is helping uh, Jewish believers to remember that identity. He, he's helping them. They're, they're experiencing a great deal of suffering and and mostly they're experiencing insults. They're experiencing intimidation. They're experiencing threats. And as they get entrenched in their suffering, hear me, they tend to forget their identity in God. Could it be said that our political affiliations and our political leanings do much of the same thing? Could it be said that We get so entrenched in our political ideologies that it's easy for us as we get entrenched in social media, as we get entrenched in cable news. uh, It's easy for us to forget that our identity is actually rooted in those things rather than 
uh, rooted. Our identity is actually rooted in God rather than rooted in those things. It's easy for us to forget. And I'm and I'm coming at it as a fellow struggler. (laughs) Hear me, church. I'm coming at it as a fellow wrestler, a person who has not figured it all out but have to go back to God over and over again and ask for forgiveness that that he would equip me and and that he would shape my heart and chisel away all the brokenness and all the deadness because even my temptation and my leaning is to at times find my identity in my politics so God wants to remind us church he wants to remind us who we are even before our text, listen to how Peter is reminding believers in first Peter chapter one, verses 24 through 25. Look at this with me. All flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Let, 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 let me give you let me give you in this season the Chris Davis version All politics are like grass and all its pundits like the flower of the grass. Your politics wither and the politicians fall. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Somebody should have said amen right there. That was your opportunity. I love it. If you're in Christ, God has given you an identity. So, so let's look at this. Let's look at uh, let's look at this, our identity through the prism of first Peter chapter two. Here's here's your identity. Hear me, church. You are set apart. You are set apart. Look at verse nine. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Uh, highlight this word, underline this word, a holy nation. Uh, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Kim who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He cannot make it any more clear that to be in Christ is to be different. Here's what he says. You are a holy nation uh, that and, and the idea is that your heart should be so much for God. The idea is that your mind should be for him because you are, hear me, set apart. And that original language there, that's what it means. It means to be set apart. You are distinguished from the rest. Here's the deal. When you live different, it's as if you'll be strange to people. If you meet people on a dating app and and you don't immediately begin sleeping around. That's strange. If when going, if, if when the going gets tough in your marriage, when you're struggling in your marriage, you're butting heads, you don't feel like the intimacy is there. And, and when the going gets tough, if you don't pack it in and rush to the divorce line, if you stay the course and struggle well with one another, figure out what you have to do and wrestle through it. That's strange. Peter is saying you've been chosen by God to bring glory to his name. You're different. You're set apart. You are distinct from the world. Uh, I remember y'all when I was in high school, 
uh, I went to a majority wealthy, majority white, uh, suburban Christian high school. And uh, it was, uh, you know, the, most of the families were, were fairly wealthy and uh, the kids would get nice cars um, uh, for their 16th birthday or whatever the case, the, the lot was filled with nice cars, uh, nice Hondas and Nissans and uh, Lexus and all these nice cars. And, and here I am uh, in high school. I roll up with my 1984 Buick Regal uh, two door with no reverse. Uh, true story, no reverse. I'm rolling up in the parking lot and I'm loving every second of it. This, this, I love this car to death. And it, this car, hear me, sticks out like a sore thumb. Not just because it's a big boat, but because it is a 1984 Buick Regal. It sticks out like a sore thumb. And I think this is what the Apostle Peter is saying that you are a holy nation, that, that, that you have been set apart, that you are different from the world. God is saying, even as it relates to the way you view politics, there's a sense at which you should stick out like a sore thumb. You are set apart that even in the way you evaluate candidates, there's something different about you. Is there something different about you in the way you view your politics, the, the, the way you embrace issues and your your own ideologies? Is there something different about you? God tells us that you have been set apart, that you're distinct. But secondly, here's your identity. You belong to God. I love this. One of the best things about the Christian faith is that you can belong when when in Christ you've been adopted as a son you you've been adopted as a daughter when you've when you put your faith in Jesus Christ look at verse 10 once you are not a people but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy peter reminds the church that in their confusion, uh, that in their doubt, as they wrestle with the sufferings of this life, that you have a family. See, when you understand your identity, you are no longer searching for it anywhere else. You're not looking anywhere else when you understand your identity. Uh, did you know that it's a common practice uh, for pimps to use uh, female jail houses as kind of a, a recruiting ground uh, for prostitution and sex trafficking. And, and they literally begin to uh, send letters to these women who have already experienced difficulty in their life and they've landed themselves in a, in a difficult spot in jail. And they begin to send these pimps, send letters out. Uh, they put money on their accounts and they begin to woo them and they make them think that they care about them. And all of a sudden, these women find themselves in this cyclical process, in this cycle. All of a sudden, they have fallen into the trap. And, and, and I would dare say, I would venture to say 
that much of it is because they are looking to belong. They, they are looking for a family and they find themselves in a trap. Many of them get caught up in it. And I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me say this is what the apostle Peter is saying, that you, you don't have to prostitute yourself out. The Apostle Peter is saying there is a family for you. You can belong. Uh, You are a son. When your faith is in Christ, you are a daughter of the most high king. That's what he's saying. He's saying you have value, inherent value. You are significant in the eyes of God and belonging in our political parties and and pursuing the things of politics and finding your allegiance in these things because you're looking for belonging. You don't have to do that because you are a son and you are a daughter. I want you to hear me well. Uh, Should we uh, engage civically? Should should we uh, uh, should we honor our civic duty to vote? Yes, we should. Will we have a political leaning? Absolutely. But you belong to God. You cannot be held hostage by polls or by a political agenda. Hear me, church. You belong to God. And lastly, here's this reminder about our identity. You have a home. You have a home. Look at verse 11 with me. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Peter affirms that this is not our home. He calls the church sojourners and exiles. Peter says, I know you're going through a tough time, but but I want you to know that this is just a pit stop, that you have a home where Supreme Court justices won't matter. That in this home, you don't have to worry about uh, uh, where you land on global warming. In this home, we're not arguing about immigration. And when you realize that there's more to the story and that you're not putting all of your chips uh, on this life, you no longer depend on a presidential candidate. You, You no longer depend upon a U.S. senator, when you have eternity in mind, it changes the way you see the ballot. The ballot is no longer about life and death. The ballot is no longer about saving generations to come. See, sojourners and exiles, they can't get too comfortable because one day, someday, they look forward to going home. Do they make the most of where they are? Absolutely. Uh, Are they to contribute and create and cultivate where they are? Absolutely. Do they fight for, for what is just and equitable? Absolutely. Yet they do so clinging to the understanding that they have a home. And hear me, church, this ain't it. That there is a home for you and I, and this is not it. Some folks, um, when you go on trips, some folks, um, 
they, 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 they take their luggage and they unpack their luggage. And when they go on this trip, they, they automatically unpack their luggage and they put everything uh, in uh, the drawers and, and they begin to hang everything and they cannot get comfortable until they hang everything in the 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 uh, in the closet and they put everything in the drawers. They can't get comfortable. But then there's uh, others of us who do it the right way. <laughs> there's others of us who uh, we we just kind of live out of when we go on a trip. We just kind of live out of our suitcase and we begin to take things out. And uh, as we go, as we need those things, we, we begin to take them out and and we unpack as we go. There's no need to put all this stuff in the drawers and the closet. We're not going to get comfortable. Why? Because I don't live here. This is just a pit stop for me. This is what the Apostle Peter is saying. The Apostle Peter reminds us, church, that this is not our home, that there's no need to put your feet up and to get too comfortable. Should we fight for what is just? Should we act justly and love mercy? Absolutely, we should do all of those things, but this is not my home. And I'm not going to act like it is my home. I, I'm not going to fake it like it is. my. This is not my home. And I, hear me, church, have eternity in mind. What about you? What, 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 what about you? And I think this is the struggle of so many of us. We get so wrapped up in what's going on politically. We get so wrapped up in what was said and who commented what on social media. We get so wrapped up in it as if this is all that there is. And the Apostle Peter reminds us that our identity is not in the here and now. That we have eternity in mind, that it is written on our hearts. And, and, and we're pursuing eternity even as we pursue the here and now. Some of us have gotten comfortable with our political party. Some of us have gotten really comfortable with our political affiliation. And, and we've put the proverbial clothes in the closet. We've, we've created a, a sock drawer and everything else. And God says, you already have a home. You have a home that is with an eternal God, one who never sleeps or slumbers. He reminds us that we have a home. I want to end with five indicators that your identity is in God rather than in politics. Let me just give you these five quick things. Here's how you know that your identity is in God rather than in your politics, that you can disagree well with the other side. That, that, <laughs> that if you have a disagreement, that you may land in different places on a certain political issue, uh, you may land in a completely different place and yet you can disagree well that you you not you don't have to block that person just because you disagree with them. 
that 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 every time you see them, you you are kind of you're kind of rolling your eyes and maybe you're harboring bitterness in your heart. The mark that your identity is not in your politics is if you can disagree well. But secondly, you can disagree with your own side. And I love how Justin Gibbity talks about this. Uh, you can disagree with the people that you agree with, that you might have a political leaning, but your identity is not in that. Your heart is not wrapped up there because you can even disagree with them. It's important that you can call out the faults of the side that you lean toward and that you can that you can speak truth even to them. But thirdly, here's how you know that your world doesn't collapse if your candidate doesn't win. <laughs> you know that your identity is in God and you have clarity as it relates to your identity is if your candidate doesn't win. If your candidate doesn't win, you're not professing that it's the end, that you know that there is still hope and that God is still in control, even if your candidate doesn't win. But the fourth thing is that you commit the leaders of our country to prayer on either side, that you boldly go before the throne of grace and you go before God and and you are able to commit even those that you disagree with to pray uh, to prayer as you as you are walking under that leadership. Even if it's somebody that you disagree with, you still are able to pray for them as, as God has called you to do. And here's the last thing that you not only pray, but that you live, that you actively live a life of doing justice, loving mercy, and walking with God. That's how you know that, that your politics is not hindering your walk with God, but that your politics is encouraging you to uh, do justice and to love mercy and to love the marginalized, that you still have opportunity and space to do that world. Church, at the end of the day, do you know that Jesus died for your allegiance? Church, do you know that you have been bought with a price so you are no longer your own? And so, so often we, we live with the posture that we get to decide, that we, that, 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 that we get to decide how we are to live. And I think the Apostle Peter would remind us and the whole of scripture will remind us and the death of Christ would remind us that we have been bought with a price, that our allegiance was paid for with a heavy price. And yes, salvation is free, but it's certainly not cheap because of the death of Jesus Christ. And you and I should remember that. Even as we live, even if we've already voted, we should remember that our hope and our allegiance is to Jesus. It is to his death, his burial and his resurrection and nothing else. Because Jesus died the death that we 
should have died. Jesus stood in our place for our sin. He finished the work for us and he welcomes us into relationship with him. He welcomes us into worship of him. He welcomes our allegiance that it may be offered to nothing else. Amen, church. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you, Lord, that even uh, when our hearts go in the wrong direction, when our, when our mind and our allegiance and our hope is in the wrong direction, you welcome us back like the prodigal sons and daughters that we are. You come after us. God, you welcome us. You welcome us with plenty of food and uh, Lord, plenty of drink. You welcome us back to your table to dine with you and to commune with you. And I pray, Lord, that you, even during this season, would convict our hearts that we may give our devotion, our love, and our confidence only to you. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 